When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome to this week's More Liver Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, news and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at More Liver Podcast, we are More Liver Rugby Podcast on Facebook, uh, you can find all of our podcasts and content on Anchor and Apple Podcasts and lots of other good podcatchers. We are the West Country Podcast that gives uh, a slightly different view on the weekend's rugby action, although there hasn't been any for a little while. Um from the More Labour Podcast Corporation that also bought you Punching Chats, uh, the Long Leg Cricket Podcast and other podcasts that you might find interesting. Um, I'm Russ. Uh, I'm a really poor host and I will get you through this as best I can. I'm also joined by uh, the housewife's favourite who seems to be sat in a cattle shed, according to my picture. How you doing? Phil Elkins. Phil Farm Vet. No longer a farm yeah. vet. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm doing very well. Thank you, Russ. Um, you've been working on your intros. That was very smooth. New words, uh, new words, new attitude, new Russ. A new, new, new attitude. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, let's let's start a new season as we mean to go on because it is a new season, right? That's why we're back. We've had loads of months off and uh, it's August and let's get back to playing some rugby. Um I'm also joined by arguably the nicest and most diplomatic man in Cornish rugby podcasting, um, Ben Eustace, who everybody loves, especially Matt, um, Sari's fan at Shanghai or Shangi. It's possible I'm I'm the only man in Cornish rugby podcasting, so I don't know if that's a, a big achievement or not. But you are. So, yeah. have you had have you had a nice break post punching chat? We we it's good got to be a good few weeks since we last we last did a punching chat. Yeah, well, p- punching chat went the same way as sort of Zoom quizzes, didn't it? As soon as everyone got out <laughs> to get out of the house, they stopped doing it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, just been just went to the pub on day one and then haven't been back since. So, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's it. Too, too busy, isn't it? Cornwall is is. Twice as busy as normal, isn't it? It's yeah. crazy. That's because there are people that are still on furlough. There are people that are there are people that are coming here on holiday because they're not going abroad. And there's also the people that live here that aren't going abroad. And the whole place is basically a hotbed for um, that are coming here trying to live. Yeah. Well, somebody got forcibly ejected from Tesco and Weybridge at the weekend because they refused to wear a mask and refused to queue because they've come down to Cornwall to get away from all this coronavirus. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard that more than once. <laughs> they they, they, refu- they refused to queue. Well, they, they refused just... to queue to come into the shop and they refused to wear a mask because they came down to Cornwall to get away from all this coronavirus nonsense. 
So they got chucked out and probably went to Audi across the road. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Audi's technically German, isn't it? I don't know whether they have to wear masks over there. Um, <laughs> and finally, um, you may have heard a dulcet tone here or there, our very own Chinese lensman, our sports videographer, who's already been in several bubbles since the, uh, the the end of lockdown, who appears to be changing his backgrounds on Skype to uh, Alan Partridge and characters within Alan Partridge, which has just made me laugh. Um, welcome back out of the bubble, Doug. You, you were at the Aegeus Bowl for the ODIs, weren't you? You were in a biosecure quite, bubble. Quite playing, literally in a bubble. Playing playing golf with you know, a head yeah. of England cricketers and stuff. Yeah. You know, just hanging with people. Put my people hanging, you just appearing at levels, yeah. Um, yeah, quite nice to uh to go and do a bit of work, but also at the same time, I quite like not working, <laughs> don't we all, mate? Don't we all? Yeah, are you missing, are you missing the landscaping? <laughs> yes. If if you hear people spontaneously bursting into laughter without any um, without any reason, it's because somebody has changed their background. Now we've discovered apparently on Skype that you can change your backgrounds, and uh, <laughs> every now and again somebody will change their background, and it will uh, it'll um, yeah. Let's talk about some rugby. We are restarting the season. Um, it's not a new season. You could be forgiven for thinking it's a new season, judging by the the sale lineup for for Friday night away at Quinns. Um, Doug, you are working. You're heavily, you're sort of heavily involved in in liaising with clubs, I guess for. Or, for camera operators and, and stuff like that. What what are the, the 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 bubbles and what are the the protocols looking like within the, the the grounds? Is there something that's you know is it is it standard across the board like the cricket is or how is how is that working with regards to the the logistical restart of the rugby? So I'm I'm not really sure how much I'm allowed to say, but um yeah, there are measures in place to keep us plebs away from the importance. Um, away from the talent. Yeah, regarding sort of safe zones and um, where we can and can't go during certain times. So um, we'll all be temperature checked when we get to the grounds. We'll all have to wear face coverings. We'll all, um, we have to work in in sort of small groups. So... Um, all that kind of stuff. We, we're not allowed to share lifts together. We're not allowed to. So obviously, you know, if you're doing a sale to Exeter, for example, usually you'd have four in a car, you'd all pile in, but that's that's sort of gone out the window. We've all got to drive individually. Um, <clears throat> we don't get on-site catering anymore um, for the duration of this. So we've all got to pack our our own... Um, sangers. Get your yeah, sangers, sangers out. Yeah, which is interesting when you days away and you're staying in a hotel how are you supposed to do that but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out we're all big boys and when we're, we're no longer allowed to sort of disappear off and have a nice cup of coffee in a cafe with the boys we've now got to sort of put our camera in then go and sit in the car till we're required basically so other other than taking your own car 
presumably they uh, they're not stipulating what you do in between matches. So if you're doing a Sunday match, then a Friday match, they're not controlling what you're doing Monday to Thursday. Uh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So effectively, they've just got to assume that I'm just ignoring it. Um, <laughs> effectively, they've just got to assume that that you're infected as far as the players are concerned, or you're a risk and keep you completely as far as you can away from playing staff, support staff, etc. Yeah. Yeah. So effectively you have a, a, a red zone in the ground, which is like the highest sort of clearance in terms of controlling who goes in and out. It's potentially just going to be, so, so obviously we've got a cameraman that runs up and down the side of the pitch they'll be the only person that can sort of access the red zone and they'll be open to more stringent sort of controls, testing and, and, and likewise. So um, I'm not even sure I should have said that, but whatever. Um, yeah, th- th- there's a lot of measures in place to keep everyone safe. Um, I guess some, some players must be more at risk than others, mustn't they? I mean, if you pass it on to Marlon Yard, it'd be the first thing he's caught in about three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. Ben did a, ben did a banter. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, you know, the Premiership have had several months, well, a couple of months now to observe how football have done it. Um, cricket's come back. So they've obviously, I assume they've been liaising with those other sports. Cricket is very tight. Um, constant testing of everyone who goes in the ground, basically. And I, I worked on the ODIs with Ireland. We were tested a week before we went. We were temperature checked probably a dozen times a day. We weren't allowed to leave the, they call it the biosphere of the AGS Bowl. So... I don't know if you've ever been to the GS, have you? No. Okay, well, so there's a road into the GS. It's one road in, one road out, basically. There's a Holiday Inn Express, a David Lloyd, and a Hilton attached to the hotel, attached to the ground, and then a golf course. We were only allowed within the grounds of the Hilton, David Lloyd, and the golf course. And we all had GPS Bluetooth trackers on us, so if anyone was in the wrong place or... If some, you know, they could contact trace us, basically, you could see exactly where you've been, who you've been with. So they've been very stringent. Um, sounds like a maximum security prison for um, people who, for, for kind of white collar criminals. Yeah, um, absolutely. Play, but play your round of golf, play a bit of tennis, but you're not allowed out to see the public. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like an open You've got to consider, though, that, you know, football went the whole of their restart from beginning to end. I'm pretty sure I didn't hear of anyone who caught caught the virus during that whole period. Um, and the same with the cricket. Um, and then we hear about rugby league and they've, they've had loads of guys test positive. So um, the trouble is, obviously... Well, and there's plenty of rugby union players have tested positive so far already, isn't there? And there will be. But what what you'll find, what you'll find is if if they follow the same sort of principles that the football and the cricket have done, that because they're isolated, they, they remain completely clean. So they, they don't yeah. interact with anyone outside of their team or the opposition. Um, 
some of the things around the football, though, you know, that you've probably seen, you know, sub sitting two metres apart with a face mask on for 70 minutes, come on the field, take the face mask off, high five the bloke coming off and then immediately go, <laughs> you know, jostle at a corner. It's like, it's... It's a show. Without wanting to say it's for show, I, I think it's... I can say it. Yeah, I mean, like, the dre- the dressing rooms, everyone in the dressing rooms, two metres apart, so they'll go and play rugby for 80 minutes and then they'll... You know, it, it, obviously... Every every precaution has been taken, and I'm sure they're doing the best job that they can do. And um, I, for one, hope that it's a success because I've worked as a landscaper and I earn a lot less doing that. And worked a lot harder. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so excluding your income, though, I'm finding it hard to get excited too much about finishing off a season that's tarnished already with the whole Saracens thing. Well, that, let's, let's get into that then, because that's an interesting point, Phil, you know, we we're getting back into premiership rugby, which is already sort of three quarters of the way through. I mean, I'm just looking to see how many games there are left now. Nine, nine games. left. So we've got nine games left in the premiership. Um, Saracens are already relegated. So the likes of, Leicester, Worcester, probably Gloucester, but you know a, a good run from Gloucester uh, upwards could see them could see them getting a, a playoff spot potentially. Um, Saracens, how there's questions around Saracens and and how many games they're just going to mail in. There's questions around another club that might be affected by some salary cap sanctions potentially but that probably wouldn't be um wouldn't be there until next season um there's all these player moves so it feels like a new season but it isn't now how can you how can you have a how can you have a, a result at the end of the season where all these players are you know you've almost got teams that are unrecognizable ben from from the the teams that they started with well i'll tell you what it feels like to me it's like what um before a football season you get two or three premiership clubs go on a tour to thailand and play bayern munich and two local sides and and that's almost what it feels like it's like a, almost like a pre-season thing because like you say the squads are pretty different um you know there was a few sale fans saying well you know we we're the sec, you know, probably the second best t- t- team in the league because we're on such a good run of form. Well, no one's on a good run of form because they haven't played for nearly six months. So short of, I think, Exeter being the best side and the fact that Saracens are relegated, I, I think it's just going to be a bit of a lottery and then four teams will go through to the playoffs. And I don't want to take money out of Doug's pocket. And I know that there's, you know, contracts with BT and contracts with players' bonuses and stuff, but as a fan, I feel I would have rather they'd just gone straight to the playoffs with the top four that were in place at the time. Um, and, then st- and then start the next season in September. And, and, and my, or my sort of thinking is, in some way, start the new season earlier to get it all done, to give the Lions a bit more of a run-up. Because again, the Lions is going to be compromised by the Premiership final being after they all get together. Yeah, but that, that, people don't biggest... care about the Lions, do they? 
that's my biggest my biggest concern. And, and Ben, as a rugby fan, not someone that works in rugby, I completely agree with you. I, I just think the demands that they're now placing on the players basically going to be playing straight through for two years. Yeah. And um, I, I don't think that's right. And it ultimately does come down to dollar dollar bills but I, I just think there's something just a little bit not quite does, doesn't sit quite right with me that you know we're we're in August and the new season would have started in four weeks yeah so I, let's, let's I just mean, chill out and like so start the I, new mean, season. I mean this so you take sorry go ahead Ben just this whole player safety has been pushed by the authorities. It's been pushed all the time. Well, the golden opportunity they've got now is to give a generation of players a very light year. From, so, from last March until the Lions tour, they could go, okay, right, we'll have a diet season, short short season, look, make sure the Lions is good. Let's yeah, be honest. Gonna... I think the Lions tour is probably 30-70 not in cool. terms of it happening, I can't. Yeah, I just cannot see that unless something dramatically changes. I mean, I'm just flicking. I've got I've got the BBC website up. There's stories all over the place, hundreds of cases here, and all this kind of stuff. And I just can't see how that tour is going to happen. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too. And if you look at the timings, concerned about that. If you look at the timings for South Africa and where they are in the outbreak. There, where we were in May time. Mm. Yeah, but we're so, not going to know. We're not going to know. What's no, no, we're not. In two months, are we? we're not. With regards but, to that. But, but even if so, you, if you it, take it, if you take someone like Manu Tuilangi, who we know is severely injury prone, Sale are going to going to be paying him a reasonable drop of money. I I don't know what it is, but he wouldn't have gone there for cheap. Um, they're going to want to get their money's worth for him, and, and they're going to play him for as much as as. They can really. You've got nine games in the next six weeks, then a short break, then straight into a full season. I'd be amazed if he's playing in next year's Six, six Nations if it happens. I'd be absolutely amazed if he hasn't ripped some part of his body off another part of his body. Yeah, it's well, Tua Lange is one of the, the biggest sort of talking points of, of this off season, as it were, because. You know, leaving Leicester and signing for sale has put them in a in a very sort of strong position. I mean, you just got to look at their lineup for the for the game against Quinns tomorrow to see. You know, imagine if they could if they didn't have every single South African Manu Dutu Alangi, Robert Dupria, um, Faf de Klerk, all of these D's and do's and don'ts. Um, how can how can we still be calling it the same season other than the the points and the and the table when the league looks looks so much so different i don't i i can't i really struggle to get my head around it which is making me feel a little bit apathetic about as much as i'm enjoying looking forward to watching games of rugby the actual overall overriding result you know I, I'm really struggling to care about it. And that's as a, as a rugby fan, as a premiership fan. And then it's almost as if they want to get this over as soon as possible, get next season out of the way, 
and Premier Premiership Rugby or Premier Rugby can have Saracens back into the thirteen team league two seasons time when everything may or may not be back to normal and they can have their little ring fence league. It's the I, I just think, Cup, I just think hypotheticals hypotheticals don't serve to um sort of clear this situation up. I you know, there there's nothing to say that a thirteen team league's gonna happen. <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on the Premiership actually sorting out anything to do with ring fencing for as long as they they, they can't ring fence while they haven't got fans because the longer this goes on, and if it stretches into next season, we're going to lose clubs. Yeah, that's, but that's it is going to stretch. It is going to stretch into next season. Yeah, it's got to. Yeah, I just think this season's been a. It was a weird season before COVID happened because it started late. You know, the players coming back and forth from the World Cup. Then you lost the best team in the league, so it became a bit of a procession. Um, they turned up some weeks and didn't. You know, Saracens turned up some weeks and didn't other weeks. Um, and it never really got going. You had you'd have a week of Premiership, two weeks of Europe, and then two weeks of Premiership and a couple of the um, Mickey Mouse Cup, and then the Six Nations. And it just never got really any momentum behind it as a competition. And I don't think it will now. So the the, the sooner they can get it done, um, and Exeter win it because they're going to, then the better. But that's the thing. Book. I don't. I don't think. I, I... It's less likely that they're going to win it now than it was before, pre 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 lockdown and stuff. With the season the way it was, I would have thought it would be entirely theirs to lose. But the way teams are shaping up now, Bristol with Radrada and Sinclair and all of the riches they've got, and Sale with their unlimited pipeline straight from Johannesburg. Um, it it's absolutely less of a foregone conclusion. It, it's in fact, I wouldn't even have Exeter as favourites. There you go. Wow. I I think you have well, I think you have to have Exeter. <clears throat> Bearing in mind, as many as, as many of those players in the sale team haven't played together in a team in a competitive match ever. Um, I think you've got to have extra as favourites, but I kind of agree that it's probably not as clear cut as you would have called it in March. I think the the fir- I think the football showed that the first couple of games are going to probably be quite unpredictable. Yeah. Um, no one's played together for a long time. You've got no crowds, which seem to affect some teams more than others. And I think there'll be a few weird results in the first couple of weeks. But I think it will probably even itself out once everyone gets used to the atmosphere and everyone gets used to um, playing again, the, the better teams will, will, will rise to the top again. I suppose the the interesting thing is if you look at the football table post-lockdown, the, the best are near the top and the worst are near the bottom, but there are some kind of near the middle that have made massive differences. Mm. So if you look at Southampton, Southampton got the third highest amount of points after the the lockdown, um, having been crap before that. So you might see, a, I don't know, Wasps or Quins or whoever coming out, go on a massive run. But I, I can't see Exeter turning to a pile of rubbish and I can't see Leicester no. becoming 
Excellent. But but that's what I'm not saying that Exeter are going to turn to a pile of rubbish and they've they've got no, good no. acquisitions. But the the point is that the say for me, Sale and Bristol look far stronger outfits um than they were previously, which makes those one off games the the top they'll those three will be in the top four, and whether it's Northampton, Gloucester, Bath, whoever it is in that fourth place, um those semi-finals, it would have made more sense, like Ben said, right at the very start of this. Get those people doing, get those four teams doing the semi-finals, get those played, um, and then start the season in September and, and crack on from there. Yeah. I suppose I just... the thing the thing in Exeter's favour is the bulk of that squad's been together for a lot of years. Yeah, they I was going to say... A lot of new additions. I, I was going to say, look at the signings that you're talking about. Bristol... They've signed a winger and a, a prop, right? And Ben Earl and Malins. Well, Ben Earl, who are you going to leave out? Are you leaving out Nathan Hughes then? Well, I think he'll probably play at seven, won't he? Luatour at six and Hughes at eight. Look, that, uh, go, all right, we don't know, do sale. we? I, I don't think signing Manitou Alangi suddenly turns Sale into world beaters. Uh, I think if you uh, Sam Hill and I mean Sam Hill is a a very any than, very good any more than Northampton signing Ezekwe like no one's talking about that signing no they're not true so I it could be it could be that having two two centres the size of Tuolangi and um, Van Rensburg just doesn't work. It could be that shoehorning Nathan Hughes into seven or Ben Earl into seven to accommodate the other doesn't well, work. There's a there would be a list as long as your arm of quality players who haven't made it, who haven't yeah, made and, the and impact. Look at you say about, for every for every Cobus Reinach and Louis Pickamol, there's a Namani Nandolo and he played at Exeter and was absolutely exactly. pony. And and you look at Max Malins at Bristol, so they're gonna they're gonna not pick um, Sheedy. Well, Malins is a fullback for Saracens, so they're just not going to pick the Kiwi fella. Piertal. Well, they yeah. only they only play. I think Malins they've got Malins in to play ten, haven't they? Yeah, because uh, they they've yeah, got. Callum, he's not going to keep Callum Sheedy out of the side. No, but between him and Madigan, they're going to be the, the sort of the one-two punch, a bit like Madigan's gone. And, no, Madigan's no, that's what gone. that's that's what I mean. It was Sheedy and Madigan, wasn't it, to a certain yeah. extent? But what I was saying is like like Steenson and Simmons at Exeter or um well, his... my words, Malins will not beat Sheedy out for that role. No, he won't, no. Sheedy's the heartbeat of that side. I've seen Bristol a lot this well, at the start of this season. <laughs> so some year. <laughs> yeah. And he was like he's the man in that team. You know, everyone the whole thing um Orbits Callum Sheedy, which is a weird thing to say, but you know. <laughs> Ashton Gate orbits around Callum Sheedy. Yeah, and and like I say, Ben Earl could play seven. I can't. I can't think off the top of my head who Bristol's sevens are at the moment. It's been that um, blonde lad Thomas, isn't it? Who's yeah, who's yeah. Dan really well. Um, it's we, more. We just don't know, do we? That, that's it. We. we we're guessing everything. We're guessing there's yeah. there's three or four teams with new coaches, new directors of rugby. So we don't know what they're going to do. 
you know, Gloucester changed, uh, Worcester changed, Bath um, That's I'll tell you what, you mentioned Gloucester there, just to take that. That was a whole very random set of circumstances, wasn't it? With old Mr. Ackerman departing for Japan. It was almost yeah. like, um, you know, he got... He, he was involved with David Humphrey's wife or something at some point. And before you know, he was on the next plane out to Tokyo. The, not the, not an actual fact, by the, the way. Just the three like... post bags full of yen probably helped. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think it's very hard to predict. Like like we said, some teams will maybe come out firing, but they're not all going to. Um, Sale, that team they've picked today, I mean, that's... It doesn't look the subtlest of teams, put it that way. I think that's only going to play <laughs> one way. Um, Marcus Smith's going to have fun, isn't he? Um, <laughs> going to be doing a lot of tackling. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just think, I, I don't know, are, are that many people excited about it? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure they are, really. Like you say, it'd be I nice. I tell you, we will be excited yeah. about it. People who like telling other people they're wrong on Twitter. Oh yeah, well there's there's a lot of that going around at the moment. Isn't We've there? managed to. It's been what nearly five months since there's been any game of rugby, and yet I think someone has been disagreeing about something vaguely related to rugby every single day on Twitter. It's I've I've crazy. barely not. I've posted a picture of Phil because his background was so superb with the uh, the vest cow shed combo is too good not to put on twitter but um i've barely been on it throughout the whole lockdown it's been wonderful it really is an absolute cesspit of hatred the thing that the, the and we've been around this boy many many times but the thing i hate the most is that you're you're unable to disagree with someone on the whole it does happen very rarely where you you disagree with somebody and then you're able to have an amicable discussion about why you disagree and approach things from another point of view without being called a dickhead or without someone going, well, your opinion doesn't matter because you don't think this or, you know, I just like, why can't, why does everything have to be so black and white? It really, it really oh, isn't. I don't know, mate, but why don't you send a DM to Exeter for change or Chiefs for change or whatever they're called? <laughs> Find out what I, had, I think. I had, somebody right about I had somebody yesterday tell me that nobody has an issue with the name Exeter Chiefs. It was just the use of the the mascot. And I was like, well, that's funny because I've had an argument with Chiefs for Change about the fact that they want the name changed. But, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's just people... I was under the impression wanted... they didn't want the name changed, but... Well, and that's the point is they can't make their bloody mind up how far they want to virtue signal well that's the yeah, point I, and I that... nearly got i nearly got into it with um somebody about the fact that you know i i i said that um you know the premiership rugby can't get out of its own way with the extra chiefs thing literally generations of navajo indians are now not watching the premiership because of exeter's name you know and it was like i'd shat on a baby <laughs> again honestly I, I could have I could have literally shit in a baby's mouth and got less abuse. The the irony is if, if that whole situation I didn't really want to get down this rabbit hole, but whilst we're here, is that you know uh, all of the people that feel outraged on behalf of somebody else, 
So all this faux outrage, oh, well, somebody somewhere must be offended, therefore I'm offended. And then they've trawled the internet and found a tribe somewhere who uh, somewhat, who happened to be offended by the appropriation of, of the Exeter Chiefs using the name and the, the branding and all that and, and all the stuff that they use. Now, there, there'll be hundreds of other tribes across America that couldn't give less of a shit about that, but they found one that's offended. So because this, because this one is offended, that means they've got to change or that everybody thinks they should change. That's like, it's not only that it's, 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 it's the fact that you can't, there's no reasoning with these people. If, if you're not absolute, if you're not bowled over with offense, then you're complicit. Yeah. I genuinely just don't care. They could be called the ex to labia for all I care. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's this week's podcast title. I, uh, I just don't care. And if that makes me complicit and that makes me a racist, so be it. Yeah, but it's right. not though because just because and and I had again I had this with with uh, certain other people that were mutually friends with Doug. Just because you're not outspoken in your opposition to something doesn't mean that you agree with it. And people telling other people that they have to stand up and they have to do whatever it is they've got to do, they've got to support it, they've got to tattoo whatever it is they're supporting on their forehead to show that they're a proper supporter. It's not the case. Oh, doing nothing is, is doing nothing's just as, um, just as bad as, as supporting racism or whatever, fine. or whatever it might be, but it's yeah, not the like, point. It's not yeah, the point. F- is also, it? So fine. If that's what you want to think of me, then fine. Yeah. So if, if you honestly, if you think that of me, then you, you a you don't know me and B, I don't really care what you think. So this, lead, Do you this know what my on. my my take on it is that so somebody went wrote to the chiefs and said look we've got an issue with your cultural appropriation of native um, Native <clears> American <throat> Indians so and they went okay let's have a look into it we've had a look into it we've spoken to various Native American Indian tribes they've kind of said that the whole mascot and the and the labelling of the bars etc they find offensive so we're going to stop doing that but actually they haven't got an issue with the name and we think the name is is part of what we're doing they weren't offended by the fact that we we're trying to portray them in a positive light but they just didn't think it was good taste so this is what we've decided to do and at that point everybody should go Oh yeah, you know, good good on you for for investigating it and taking a stance. Deal done, finished. It's the fact that you can't go. We've looked into this. We've probably cocked up a little bit, so we're going to change things. And people still go, but you're not changing enough. You yeah, need I, to. Can, primarily Saracens never... fans, I seem to, I seem to have noticed. Yeah, you can never change it. And Saracens about the how about those Muslims? Yeah. Oh, how about those <laughs> there's, a, there's, a can, there's a can of worms. Well, if let's let's not all jump aboard well, a bandwagon, Saracens fans. Let, let's when... be honest. Like the the Crusaders isn't great either, is it? Oh, absolutely. No. Isn't. Yeah. No, of course it's not. Um, but... Isn't that akin to like? Isn't that akin to being like the uh, Northampton Nazis? Yeah, the the, <laughs> yeah. the Gloucester Gestapo. Yeah. And I tell much. you what, wasps serve no positive function in the world. They're just little guns. So I mean, I mean, I mean I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Northampton Nazis and the Gloucester <laughs> Gestapo. 
the Bristol <laughs> Bath Party. Not in, not in their ideals, obviously. Oh, that, but that's I, the greatest. That's the greatest. Uh, having I've, I'm watching Once Upon a Time in Iraq at the moment, and it, they they just could could be called the Bath Party, couldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> and have a little like caricature Saddam as their logo. Oh, Ben, sorry, you were in the middle of something. Um, there. Uh, yeah, I, I I was just going to say, I think the I don't think anyone really in their right mind has an issue with with chiefs because that doesn't just yeah but why why can't they be celtic chiefs well to be honest that would make more sense i've never quite understood the sort of native american branding anyway um and the the mascot i think i think they're better off without that and and i i've always found the tomahawk chop incredibly irritating so oh, i'd be glad to see I the back of that couldn't agree more and um, people wearing face paint well and, and those dresses they need to be shot on site anyway yeah as as so, i said to as i said to doug if you got stuck behind the, the six you're foot three man doing, you're all you're doing there russ is doing exactly what the people who are protesting the logo are doing just in a different way if a bloke wants to go to a rugby match with 15 dildos stapled to his forehead <laughs> fine let him go to the rugby match with 15 dildos stapled to As long as it doesn't block he, your view. He might be a bellend, but it's his choice to be a bellend. <laughs> if I, if I want to go and see the Venice Viet Cong, I can dress as I want. <laughs> oh, the Venice but, but Russ, saying that is, is equally no. as bad. As Fair, enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. Okay. I, I did wonder. If, I, I think I said to maybe Russ that if if there was some team in Alabama that was called the sort of Alabama Cornishman and they had a mascot which had sort of six fingers on each hand and was married to its own sister, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be too keen on that going ahead. So yeah, because because a Native well. Indian chief wearing a headdress is probably the same as uh, an ancestral six-fingered Cornishman, isn't it? Well, I think that, that, that stereotypical probably. Stereotypical icon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, the leader, you know, if you met the, the leader of maybe in Kerno, he is <laughs> he does have six fingers and uh, is married chucking, to a sister. Chucking pasties into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I'd be well up for that. <laughs> oh, why not? Be outstanding. <laughs> Those big foam hands just with loads yeah. of fingers. <laughs> Look, <Six> fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like Zoidberg from Futurama. <laughs> you could market that, couldn't you? Just like a six fingered foam hand. It'd be a big, big yeah, seller. That could that. be the badge, you know, like Ulster's badge. <laughs> <laughs> just with an extra digit, but the digit yeah. is perpendicular to the rest of us. <laughs> I don't know where we are going with that, but but we're that's, going to get shut cool. down this week, aren't we? <laughs> oh, well, who cares? Who cares? Um, you did mention though, so we we're talking about. Sam Lana cares. Oh, fucking hell! I'm not allowed to tell people. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Oh, you, I can't even talk about him. Keep moving. Um, I tell you what, I've been a little bit disappointed about is the fact that we're all blocked by a certain Irish person. Because I bet that has been absolute gold over the last six, well, three months. Hasn't Russ started up another profile and just <laughs> to, to hassle her? I have not. <laughs> and I don't hassle anyone. 
Um, <laughs> look at the fence. Let, let, let's let's move on before we get before we get sued. So let, let's move on then to something a little bit of a little a please, little bit lighter. Please. Is that the um, the just club? Love my sweat. <laughs> the club's individual stances on the Black Lives Matter or the, you know, before moving every... Moving to a light topic. So, moving to a light yeah. topic. Now, here's the thing, right? The football ma- the football matches did their support of Black Lives Matter. All of the first football, when the football restarted, I thought, you know, if they all took a knee, fine, you know, do what you got to do, show your support, do, you know, not bother by it. Um, I thought after the third, fourth, fifth time that the same team did the same thing at the start of a match was was a bit pointless. You've made your gesture, you've shown your support, you don't have to do it every time. Um, but the, that was something that was kind of agreed upon across the, the clubs. It wasn't an official stance, but that's what they decided to do. Now, the PRL, on the other hand, have left it open to interpretation for the clubs to do all of their own different bits and pieces. Um, and Huh? I nearly said something there, and then I remembered I've only just gone back to work. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there was a list. A list came out the other day about what each club was was going to do. And again, going back to to Exeter, Exeter was, was very nondescript. It just said fully supports um, rugby against racism. So the PRL are not using the political statement of of Black Lives Matter and all that other stuff. They are creating their own um, support banner or whatever it's called as rugby against racism. Now, I've seen people like who support BLM on Twitter, supposedly really great people trying to be the best version of themselves and living their best lives and YOLO. Um, And and, uh, a moaning because... Well, rugby aren't doing it under the banner of, of Black Lives Matter. If everybody did it under the same banner, then then it would be a, a more powerful statement. Well, no, Rug- rugby's doing a rugby against racism. BLM is a political movement which was um, which has done a lot of stuff, good stuff and stuff over the last <laughs> three or four months. Um, and each it shouldn't be about a universal approach. It to me, it should be about a supportive, you know, yes, using their position and highlighting, you know, that racism in in sport or in in the world isn't acceptable. But telling people under what banner that should appear under or what they should do to show their support is is completely incorrect. And they and these again, these fucking do good twat bags. That feel the need to tell Let's everybody go. else. James, uh, James, they, they feel the need to tell everybody else how and why they should show their support. And if they don't show their support properly, that or in a certain way, then it's not supporting the cause. Can get in the fucking sea because they they are just as bad I'll as the people. They are just as bad as the people that are you know that are piping out all the other utter bullshit on social media so i tell you what leave people to support the cause or not support the cause in however way they see fit and don't bring your fucking do gooder ship onto anybody else doug um prime example is he in the rugby league 
He's my favourite player. Well, look, he didn't... Well, he for punching chat questions. <clears throat> he didn't um, kneel. Yeah, like, he's got a few twatty views, whatever, but they're his views, and he wants to do things his way. <clears throat> and he said that the reason he didn't kneel is because he only kneels for God. Now, take from that what you will. You know, if you're religious, great, fantastic. But why should the fact that he said that demean anything that he believes why, why it, the, the the thing I have the problem with is that you, you've got to show support but you've got to show support the right way otherwise it's not support yeah so so, I'm, so if, I'm sure I'm no, sure Israel Flaib's only got that view because that's what his priest used to say to him when he was a little child growing up that you need to kneel for God um, but it's he's about, gonna he's gonna get a hell of a contract with Fox News when he finishes isn't he it is um, to to me, the the issue here, the reason it's an issue is because um, Premiership Rugby has been weak about it. Now they had an opportunity here not to go. The views of Douglas Andrews, not the view of Douglas <laughs> Andrews, the views entirely of of Phil Elkins. They had an opportunity here to say, look, here's here's the time for us to really take a positive stance against racism. Everybody here would. I'm sure would 100% agree that racism is not welcome within rugby or indeed any sector of life. Um, so Premiership Rugby had a great opportunity to go, you know what, there's a real there's a real movement here that we can take some positive actions to ensure that racism is not welcome within rugby and we're going to send some recommendations down to the clubs and hope that they all follow. Whereas what they've done is they've gone, here's an opportunity for us to do something about racism Clubs make your own mind up what what you're going to do. And it's setting up clubs and players for a fall. If they turn around and go, you know what, bearing in mind there's no crowds, we're going to have massive banners all around the thing, rugby against racism. We're going to have pictures of multicultural crowds all, all through it, whatever. And we're going to make a, a strong stand. We'll have a minute silence for every game or whatever. It doesn't, I don't really care what it is, but they could have used a collective effort to bring to to build on the um the the movement that's happening i mean i like you russ i black lives matter has has achieved some good things but equally it has become politicized too much and some of the stuff that they're putting about removing the police is just absolutely bonkers you can't have a state without police it's it's just ridiculous um but they could have done something really positive but instead they've gone you know what it's up to you clubs and a player like Let's let's call Izzy Falau Stuart Hogg for argument's sake. Say say everybody decides they're going to take a knee and Stuart Hogg doesn't take a knee because or who's um what's the Scottish prop he never used to play on a Sunday? Ewan Murray. Ewan Murray. I ought to know. I played against him. Um, so say on a say, on a Sunday. Uh, it was a, it was a <laughs> Wednesday actually. It was when we were at uni. Um, so say he decides not to take a knee because of strong religious views. He is then lined up to get absolutely lambasted as an individual. Um, and people are going to turn around and call him a racist because of it. It's just, it's just an absolutely farcical lack of management as far as I can see. Or what it is, is allowing, sorry, Ben is allowing the clubs to make their own decisions and allowing the players within those clubs to show their support 
in any way that they see fit. Just because people don't want to kneel or don't want to do things in a certain way, as we said earlier, doesn't make them non-supporters, doesn't make them racist. It just means they want to show their support in their own way. So why should everybody have to do it uniformly? I can't find the list, the tweet with the list of what each club said that they were going to do, but things like, oh, one club's going to form a V, what, like V for Vendetta or something. I don't, like, one club's going to do this or one club's going to do that. But Exeter are going to uh, show support for for rugby against racism. Now, that's enough to me, the fact that they're going to show support for rugby against racism. They're going to show a mark of support, however that might be. doesn't matter. They don't have to go into any more depth than that. But people were jumping all over different teams, but mainly Exeter for for absolutely no reason. Exeter, Exeter are on the shit list for everyone at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, they are, yeah. Everyone who's not an Exeter fan seems to be piling on Exeter. I, I don't really understand it. Because so, um, they're playing well? Yeah, because like, yeah, well. they're, no, they're Saracens now, aren't they? But, you know, yeah. I think Saracens propaganda department has done a good job. <laughs> um. My my sort of view on it, I think Doug and Russ being sort of world-class curmudgeons are, are more upset about being told <laughs> what to do rather than any of the, the sort of more ingrained issues. And, you know, I, I think looking back on sort of protests people have done in sports, they've been far more effective when they've been outliers. So I'm thinking of the, um, the uh, was it the 68 Olympics with the Black Power salutes on the on the podium um if you ever get the chance to look up the um the story of that it's a really interesting story about about the uh, two americans and the australian and, and how they were friends for the rest of the rest of their lives um but that's sort of an iconic photo and you've got the at the start of this when there was just the odd nfl player doing it i thought that was quite a powerful message um but I do think if you just mandate that everyone has to do it, it, it's almost like a box ticking exercise then. And I think perhaps you're you're then, as Phil said, you're you're leaving players out to dry if in that way as well, if 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 for any reason it doesn't happen. Um I think, you know in the cricket there was that interview with Michael Holding, which was was really good. Amazing. He spoke, you know, incredible amount of sense. And I think that's a better way of educating people that maybe don't understand it than than maybe some kind of gesture, um, you know, before a game, at, you know, in an empty stadium. Um, How long do we have to go on doing it? Yeah. So. Sorry, I interrupted your flow there, Ben. No, I mean, I think all, all, all I'm saying is, is I don't think any of us have got a problem with with the, the sort of cause in its widest sense. You know, what happened in America was was terrible and and what happened to that guy was was that shouldn't happen to anybody and and that's where it's all come from and I think everyone agreed with that but now it's become a sort of polarized issue people on Twitter I mean because they're better people than us. yeah I mean I mean a lot of these all lives matters people were very keen to machine gun the uh the boats in the channel this week so um you know, there, there's a, there's a little bit of uh, straightening them from a Cessna. Yeah, a little bit of a hypocrisy for you, but you know, th- those those people are they're going to go out of fashion before long. You know, hopefully they'll they'll breed themselves out. But you know, 
Because because be, be kind lasted a long time after oh. you know after Caroline Flat died, didn't it? All of, it it's it just it's the way it's the world that we live in. It's such a fast paced move, like everything moves, and and potentially in the next four months, five months, six months, it will be something different different that is right at the forefront of everyone's agenda. Racism in sport isn't a new thing. It's not like kick it out in football, like. It's been it's been around for a long time. Racism as a as a thing has been around for a long time, and the only way it can it can stop or we the only way it can be made better is through education and through through development and teaching our ch- like children and like educating ourselves. But what we don't need, and I think you might have hit the nail on the head a little bit, Ben. What we don't need is self-righteous self-righteous shitheads telling us all day every day how we should feel and how we should act and how we should show support or not show support because that pisses more people off than it gets on board if you let everybody be for their and find their own way and find their own path, but offer offer advice and support and guidance rather than being an absolute muggy asshole. Then maybe it might gain a little bit more traction with with some of the the people that. I, th- I think maybe what they should have done is is perhaps mandated for at least the first week, maybe the first two weeks, and just gone. Look, the other the other sports they've done it, they've shown support for a good cause. Yeah, let's let's do that. Then after a couple of weeks, they could have gone. Okay, it's now up to individual players how they want to market t-shirts. Keep kneeling if you want to. It's it's your decision. Um, a bit like the how, water break. They should yeah. have disappeared after two weeks too. However, they wanted to do it after that. It was a point. joke. It's a joke. But, but at this point, they've now come between the two stools, haven't they? They've kind of told them to do something, but not what, and they've left left it up in the air and I think Phil's right it it, it needed a, a decision a central decision I mean in the in the, the cricket it 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 was done without any fuss wasn't it you know there wasn't there wasn't a like pre-prepared list of all the things that were going to happen for Twitter to go mental about but they did it at the start of the first they did it at the start of the first test match and that was it day one before the start of play of the first test match. Didn't they do it at the start of every match? I thought they only did it for the first one. I could be wrong about that, but... Well, there's 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 a BLM am- emblem on the... comes up on the scorecards whenever they come up on Sky Sports at the moment. So it's still... And that's... And that's, and that's but that is, is... I say, is that not enough? I mean, when is anything ever going to be enough? For some of these people, I think, well, like, again, like we said earlier, just not not showing visible support all the time is <laughs> as bad to these people is bad well, to these so, people as, as supporting the other side. It doesn't make any so sense. Take take two two completely separate incidents. Um, there's a farmer put something that was pretty hideously racist on Twitter today, and. It's since been deleted and got fairly lambasted by the majority of the farming community for it um, about the fact that it was basically implying that no no non-white person had ever really achieved anything of significance and and noteworthy at all. Um, 
and got fairly severely lambasted for it, as he should have done. And you look at that and you go, well, actually, society's kind of kicked back against him there, and rightly so. And then you've got Dawn Butler kicking up a stink and putting videos about how stop and search is wrong when she got she got stopped in her car by the police and searched. She wasn't even driving it. It was being driven by a white person. So she's taken a completely innocent situation and tried to turn it into something race-related. And that's what's pissing people off. And that's what's turning people away from positive movements to try and get rid of racism, is, is people just being virtue-signalling arseholes. So when people stop being dicks, actually, I think we'll start to make some decent progress on both, both sides. Right. Let's um, let's shift away from semi-seriousness because I've had enough, basically. Um, <laughs> so they can't cancel us. They can't censor us. <laughs> we might we might lose a few followers, but who cares? Um, right. Uh, Adam Foxcroft host of Punching Chat on, on Twitter asks, uh, which would make a better rugby player, someone with three arms or someone with three legs? Depends where the arm is. If the arm and the leg are in the same place, somebody with three arms. It's got to be the arms, isn't it? A third, could... a third arm, coming. I'm assuming the third leg is coming between the first two. That's going to make running an absolute nightmare, whereas the third arm there would help you catch shit passes from shit scrum ass. Bit around your ankles. Sidestep, though, wouldn't it? An extra leg. Yeah, but you, you could carry the ball and in two hands and hand off. Some might say, well, some might say, I've already got an extra leg. You, you could carry the ball in two hands and have a wank. You could carry the ball in one hand and have a double-handed wank. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I was going to say two hand off, but then I thought no. <laughs> Well, you'd basically be having a two hand off, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, you um, would. we've got to put some kind of warning on the on the cover of this one. The tone's Don't suddenly James, changed, does, isn't it? Doesn't rugby Saracens listen to this with his son? <laughs> yeah, Sorry, well. James. Sorry, James. Um Tom Parker's asked a question, but I'll ask that one in a minute because it's a, it takes us back into a semi serious route. Um let's ask this one. What's your favorite what's the best flavour crisp? Doug. Ooh, now, are we talking potato or maize-based? Oh, now, now you're talking. Carbohydrate-based uh, snack that comes in a packet between yeah, 20 any. and 35 grams. Any. It's oh, a flavour. No, it's a flavour. It's not a type onion of Monster Munch is a belter, but... So uh, is pickled onion the best flavour? No. no. See, I'm a crisp connoisseur, you see. I I'm, consider myself in the top three crisp eaters in this country. <laughs> behind me so i'm at number two i'm a big fan of a tesco wherever you fucking like uh go on doug what were you saying sorry i'm a big fan of a tesco bacon fry oh yeah Yeah. if you're just going classic classic just straight up and down crisp the walker's chicken flavor is uh right up there and the walker's beef and onion until they discontinued it Mm. not too sure about that i do like a um a traditional onion ring from, but like a home That's brand onion ring. No, 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 like, like a co-op onion ring. The mm. co-op also do um, a, a, a sea salt and malt vinegar or cider vinegar crisp in their, in their sort of luck, co-op luxury collection. If that is not a uh, oxymoron. Um, 
And also, you mentioned the uh, the pickled onion monster munch. I'm gonna I'm gonna raise you for a roast beef monster munch, which are. I'm out on that. Sorry, Ben. What are you saying? Well, I'm saying I think this was just supposed to be a fun question. Spent quite a long time on it. <laughs> um, salt and vinegar, ben, ben, ridge cut. Ben drops the ready salted. <laughs> salt and shake. Salt and vinegar, ridge cut. Ooh. Mm. What McCoy's? McCoy. McCoy's or uh, I don't know if they still do them, but kettle chips used to do ridge cut salt and vinegar uh, ones, and they were amazing. Brannigan, Brannigan's beef Brannigan's as well. If you remember those, they were decent. Yeah, they're pro. The Look, you said, you've said a lot of things today, but slagging off kettle chips. Kettle chips are rubbish, mate. Oh, they're man. like, um, let me oh. tell you what kettle chips are. They're the Earl Grey of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> they perfected tea with tea. Yeah, they perfected crisps with crisps. No one needed kettle chips. Uh, Marks and Spencer, Middle England nonsense. Um, can't buy kettle chips from Marks and Spencers. Don't get me started on beetroot crisps either. Or um, oh, I love them. Yeah, of course, of course you I love, do. I love a vegetable crisp. You're, you're um, one of those Twitter so, do-gooders, aren't you? So I'm assuming all of you at some point have been and had a tasting menu somewhere. One of yeah. these seven-course jobbies. Now, when you Last go to that, the Indian. What do you mean? What do you mean? You may have done this somewhere. Every time I go out to eat. So, when you go for a tasting menu, they don't offer you a wine flight that is a bottle of wine that's the same glass for every for every meal. You need to pair the crisp with the situation. This is Different... a very good point. Different crisps for different situations. If I'm coming home at two o'clock in the morning, having had a few beers, it's a packet of quavers every time. In fact, it's probably four packets of quavers every time. <laughs> in a bowl. In a bowl, yeah. <laughs> With my face just in the bowl. But I think, I think for, for kind of a standout, sit around a fire pit of an evening, with, some, with a couple of mates, let's go and get a bag of crisps. You're going to struggle to beat a big bag of Walker Sensations Thai sweet chili. Ooh. Good shout. Bit bit like decadent. Bit decadent for me. Um, a question from uh, at Frank Ordinio, one of our longtime listeners. Uh, whatever happened to the Quins and New Zealand link? Uh, the Quins and Blues New Zealand link up. Marching went to the Blues, but I was expecting to see at least some New Zealand players moving over. Well, I guess old COVID. Yeah, old, uh, COVID as if anyone from that. New Zealand wants to move to England at the moment. Yeah, and I would imagine the Blues looked down the list of. Uh... The um, Quinns players saw Joe Gray and were like, yeah, we'll probably just uh, give him a we'll, swerve, eh, lads? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stay here and we'll be 0-8 in our, in our uh, yeah. super... Are they, no, the Blues 0-8? Yeah, the Blues won it, didn't they? Blues won it. Who's Gatlin's team? Three, the Chiefs. 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 Yeah, Owen Farrell, Owen Franks, 0-8. Well done. Um, stole someone else's joke, didn't even get a laugh. Oh, that uh, was a joke. Yeah, sorry about that. <clears throat> uh, I will. Let's let's finish up before we go to any other business. So the question from Tom Parker, which is uh, thoughts on the whole development de- the whole development department of the RFU being made redundant. Where does that leave rugby in five to ten years' time in England, Phil? So, well, so there's currently a number of development uh, retained staff in each county. So there's three in Cornwall. Um, and as as 
Tom says they've all been made redundant and they're being replaced with 44 people nationwide. So effectively, there's going to be two covering the southwest. Now, you might not see that many of these, that much of these guys in the senior rugby setup, but they work their asses off and get around the um, the minis and the juniors setup all the time. And they're there to to kind of help engage. Well, basically, they're there to make sure that people who are volunteers like like me, who don't really know what we're doing, are not screwing kids up and are making sure that they're engaged with I'm rugby. I'm glad you finished and, that sentence. <laughs> yeah. They're engaged with rugby and they want to keep on playing rugby because we're not doing the old school, I'm going to shout and scream at you until you're all bawling your eyes out or we're going to go shirts against skins in the middle of December in a snowstorm and make sure that actually what we're doing is is exactly the right things. And they, and they work bloody hard. Um, so... I'm sure you guys know, well, not you, Doug, but Ben and Ben and Russ, you'll know Phil Morris. He's he's one of the people who's been made redundant. Um, Neil Smith as well. Um, and I can't remember the other chap's name, but we're going to be in a situation where I think junior foundation level club rugby is, has, is gradually going to be set back about 15, 20 years because... Some of the stuff that we see coming out of other clubs from the coaches out of other clubs is just not on and it's just not acceptable. I mean, we're, Newquay Hornets lost a year because, um, and I'll tell you guys later who the coach was at the time, but the coach just, all the, all the parents left because of the way the coach was teaching, treating the kids. Now, if coaches are allowed to do that without any degree of um, input, repercussions, etc., that won't be one year that gets lost from one club that'll be happening wide scale and kids will turn to other sports so i think it's a desperately stupid thing to do from an organization that pays the people at the top massive bucks ben um i'm just kind of crossed a wider point there is is a, a concern i've got is that i think at least at the lower level there's going to be quite a lot of law changes that they bring in to make rugby covid safe and um, I think they'll all be aimed at there being less scrums, less contact, more open spaces. And I don't think they'll ever go back on them. I think they'll bring them in and they'll just become, I don't want to say the phrase new normal, but they'll be the new laws of rugby. And I, I think it will be fairly unrecognisable to what we were used to be playing in the mud. Um, and it, and it, it, it concerns me that it will become like a sort of, stretched game of sevens rather than what we could call proper rugby yeah Doug do you have any views on this just repeat the question mate I sort of uh, lost the question Will's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too the question was uh, thoughts on the whole development department of the RFU being made redundant where does this leave rugby in five to ten years time in England <laughs> less developed well i think yeah well you've answered that question haven't you dickhead i I just to me it's um you're going to get a generation of players who are coached by people who aren't singing from the same hymn sheet as the rfu so you're going to get a lot of teams around the country are going to start you know developing and looking at players in a certain way and I'd imagine that a lot of those teams that have youth set-ups are going to be looking at players that will get them to win at a certain level of rugby. They won't be looking to 
develop certain things that may take them to the next level. So I think you'll you'll probably suffer the same sort of decline that Wales faced before they reorganised again. Yeah. And um, and know, then you've but, got to start that engagement all over again. Yeah, but you know, good on the England players for getting twenty two grand a game, though, eh? Because you know, one. I, yeah. One, one Six Nations match would pay for 25 community coaches for the year. Yeah. It, it just... It, and and yeah. the guys the guys at the top um, on their six-figure salaries. Yeah, and, just... and uh, you know, the nice, the nice place for all of bloody Howards to go and eat there. Yeah. Isn't Eddie Jones paid three times what the Prime Minister is? It's just ludicrous. The, 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 you know, there's an issue there about how much we pay the prime minister, but yeah, I I can't, I can't speak too, too freely. You guys all know my views probably better than I'll let on here. So. Yeah. I think it's terrible misstep to save a few quid at the wrong end of the game. Yeah. Agree. That I think that's probably the best way to put it. Is the the top heavy hierarchy? Um, you've been better off thinning out the top end than you will be. Listen, mate, sifting through the bottom. Are you end, telling me Maratoji wouldn't play for England if they only gave him five hundred quid? Yeah, exactly. They might have to restructure the the whole France thing, though, wouldn't they? Anyway, um, on on that kind of note, like all of these games being played behind closed doors, like local league games. Have you seen that? So no, like some clubs in rugby and in football in that charge a couple of quid to go in and watch and watch the game um, that can no longer do that because of, of COVID restrictions. Yeah. People can now go to the gym and go in spinning classes, but you can't stand socially distant around a field. Watching well, other people play sport is absolutely utterly mental. Yeah, and, and they'll, and they'll be a more... couple of quid, and they'll make ten grand on the bar as well. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I get it, but, but clubs can. There's make ways this... around that, mate. Though you just—they're all licensed premises. You just say that the clubhouse is a bar. We're not charging people to come into the rugby. And then, yeah. you know, I know at Dunstable, they could do that, and they could just set tables out all over the twos pitch. Yeah, you know. There are ways around it. Stick some some tables up in the stands at Launceston. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's um, let's crack on to some some any other business. Uh, Ben, have you have you got any other business for us this week? Well, not much has happened since the last podcast, does it? Um, I I I I just think. um, Yeah, we we already mentioned it. it's chaos around Cornwall at the moment. And um, as, as, as someone said, people have been commenting that they, they came on holiday to get away from coronavirus. And uh, it's, it's almost as if you can't catch it down here. And I think we've got to be very careful down here because there is only one hospital. Um, and um, I think people just, when they come down, do need to behave. Um, you know, the villages down by the beaches are, are pretty much gridlocked, so ambulances and the RNLI can't get in and out. Um, so 
I just think if um, if people are going to come on holiday, which is great, come and spend your money, but try and act like civilized adults rather than entitled children. That'd be great. Doug. Yeah, I just uh, want to reply to Ben on that. You know, a lot of people who during lockdown have been stuck in inner city situations, in flats, in X, Y, Z, haven't had the luxury of just being able to go for a walk in a beautiful place like where you live. So maybe cut them a bit of slack because it's not always been easy. I, 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 I totally agree, Doug. And there was a guy on the radio who, um, you know, they asked him a slightly unfair question, which was, you know, do you want to come down? And he actually said, no, not really, but I paid £2,000 to bring my family on holiday. And because the government have said it's safe to go, you can't get a refund. And I, I totally agree with that. But the fact that you've not been able to, um, you know, get out as much as we have doesn't mean that the rules of wearing a face mask and, uh, and absolutely not. But a, just apply try, to try you. And, I understand your point, but try and look at it as like we've got uh, myself and uh, Lizzie have got a, a, a mutual, fr well, a friend who um, lives in a block of flats um, and her only option is to walk around the block. And if she wants, you know, just let these people have a, a day in the bloody countryside, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, they, you know, I appreciate uh, I for you I guys. I don't think anybody's it, saying it, not It may to, seem a bit... Bit weird, but you know, people, people um, have been stuck in a flat for four uh, months. As I say, Doug, great. Everyone, you know, come down, but just you know, just try and respect. Yeah, try and remember that you know Absolutely. the virus is here as well. Absolutely, yeah, totally. Um, I just think it needs to be balanced. That's all. Um, what? Uh, so you want me to do so many other business, don't you, Russ? I do, mate. Please. Uh, golf. Golf. I hate it. Absolutely. Well, welcome. Welcome uh, to my world. Yeah. Um, I got a, got a golf membership sort of a month into lockdown. My new girlfriend sort of um, said, look, we need to do something. Get you out. Get you walking. There's a golf course just down the road. So went down, joined up. Developed trigger finger after the first two weeks. So every morning I wake up, I have to click my fingers straight, which is brilliant. Um and now all I do is pay money to pump balls into a wood. That's basically what I'm doing. Any any money I earn immediately goes on golf balls, which, I mean, I might as well just start a bonfire and throw 20 quid into it every two weeks. It's expensive, but isn't it? I, I just don't understand why I do it. Um, <laughs> I come away frustrated. All I worry about is why I can't score lower. Um I'm obsessed with really, really bland clothing. Um, and yeah, I just um, sometimes wish that I'd never got into it. But I do love it. It's the most infuriating yeah. sport game in the world. And it's helped me reconnect with uh, an old an old bud. So um, yeah, as it's has its positives and it has its negatives. Also, if you haven't watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Iraq, go and do it because it's um, incredible. Cool. Um, I've started watching Prodigal Son on Sky. 
that was pretty decent the first two episodes of that so check that out if you have uh have not seen it um i have not personally because i'm a bit of a retard um having a, a new garden building erected you may have seen on social media um but in the uh in the effort to make it warm for the winter where i can work and sort of spend time out there um during this uns- uh, you know relentlessly hot weather that we've been having it is a place that is hotter than the surface of the sun to the point where i, I was putting some laminate floor down yesterday and probably sweated approximately a quarter of my body weight um out just by laying floor in a sweat box and right. matt People would be under, people would be splashing around in the carpet, wouldn't they? <laughs> and, and they say nurses have it tough. I know. <laughs> well, what what I will say is manual labour is not for me, not for me, not for me. Um, so yeah, that's that's it. We're we're back. Um, we might even have some rugby to talk about next week. Doug, you're working this week. Where are you? You're in Worcester. Every game live on BT Sport. Every game. And it's live. Even the ones that are on Channel 5. Are they dual fed as well? All of them are are being shown live. I don't know where, but every game will be live. So That's good. What's the lensman at work? I'll be at Worcester. Oh, nice. Well, make sure you're... 12.30 kickoff, by the way. 12.30 kickoff. So you, you should be able to watch rugby from, well, all day, basically, on the Saturday. Lovely. Um... Fantastic. And we'll be back next week at some point to to talk about what happened and see if there was any shocks and surprises. So, uh, yeah, see you later on. Go well. Sports Social Podcast Network.